Good morning. Welcome to week two in our new sermon series, Summer in Mark. This summer, we're going to be taking a journey together to study the New Testament Gospel of Mark in its entirety. And as you can see, throughout this process, we'll be doing church in the round. So what this means basically is just that we've taken down all the chairs and we're going to be working together at tables. This gives us a chance to talk to each other throughout the service and just share our thoughts and ideas about what it is that we're studying. So last week, we kicked off the series by starting at the beginning of Mark, and we talked about the announcement of a new kingdom that was on its way, the kingdom of God. This week, we're going to take a look at how Christ is the head of this new kingdom and about how he reorients what we view as normal as we enter into this new kingdom. Will you guys pray with me? Lord, we just thank you so much for this morning. I pray that you would come and be with each of us. I pray that you would just move in our hearts. I pray that you would please just guide me, help me to speak and share the message that you've laid on my heart this morning. And I pray that you'd just be present with us. We pray this through your son's name. Amen. All right, so we're going to begin by reading our scripture passage for today. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, please feel free to use one of the Bibles on the tables. I would encourage you to follow along if you're able. Last week, we started at the very beginning, and we made it all the way through Mark 2, verse 12. So today... Our scripture passage picks up in verse 13 and goes through Mark 3, 6. And this can be found starting on page 1,558 if you're using the Bibles on the table. We're going to focus primarily on Mark 3, 1 through 6, but you will have a chance to read the rest of the passage during your discussion time in a little bit. All right, so Mark 3. Jesus went into the synagogue again and noticed a man with a deformed hand. Since it was the Sabbath, Jesus' enemies watched him closely. If he healed the man's hand, they planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the deformed hand, Come and stand in front of everyone. Then he turned to his critics and asked, does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath, or is it a day for doing evil? Is this a day to save a life or to destroy it? But they wouldn't answer him. He looked around at them angrily and was deeply saddened by their hard hearts. Then he said to the man, hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand, and it was restored. At once, the Pharisees went away and met with the supporters of Herod to plot how they could kill Jesus. Okay, so we have a lot going on here in this passage. Jesus went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, probably to hear the scriptures read and just to spend some time with God. Going to the synagogue on the Sabbath was basically the Jewish equivalent of us meeting together on a Sunday morning at church. They met on the Sabbath day to worship together, to pray, to hear the scriptures read, and usually to hear some sort of teaching based on the scriptures as well. Now, they recognize Saturday 
is their Sabbath day because Saturday is the seventh day of the week. It wasn't until much later after the death and resurrection of Jesus when the Christian church really started going that they started recognizing Sunday as the day of worship and rest. So here we're talking about Saturday. And this was based on one of the Ten Commandments that God had given Moses. In Exodus 34, 21, God said to the people, You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but on the seventh day you must stop working, even during the seasons of plowing and harvest. The Sabbath day was meant to be a gift to the Jewish people. It was a day for them to just pause, catch a breath, relax, and reconnect with God. This is the reason that God commanded them not to do their ordinary work, because you can't really rest when you're busy worried about doing everything else. So this was a gift to them. However, the Jewish leaders began taking the command to rest on the Sabbath a little bit too far. They lost sight of the meaning of the day and started focusing on the rules about resting rather than the reason for resting. In fact, they focused so strongly on the rules of the Sabbath that for some, it became more oppressive and restrictive than restorative. In our passage today, we find Jesus bucking the trend and doing something that they believed he really shouldn't have been doing on that day. There were very specific rules about medical treatment on the Sabbath, and here we find him appearing to break those. So the rules dictated that you could only provide medical treatment on the Sabbath day if it was to save a life. So for example, if a woman were in labor, it would be okay to help her because if you didn't, both the mother and the baby's life could be in danger otherwise. Another, ex excuse me, another example might be um, if somebody had a deep wound that was bleeding badly, you could apply pressure to it and even a simple bandage to stop the bleeding, but you would not be allowed to treat the wound in any way. No salves, no ointments, no stitching. That all had to wait until the next day because it was considered work. And if you had something really minor happen, like a sprained wrist or a sprained ankle, they just couldn't do anything at all. You just had to wait until the next day in order for someone to treat it. So the rules were clear. Healing was considered work, and it was not permitted on the Sabbath unless life would be lost if treatment were withheld. Now the man in our hand, he had a shriveled hand and this left him handicapped. But that was not a life or death situation. This was something that he just lived with day in and day out. Jesus could have waited and healed him on another day, but he's Jesus, so he didn't do that. Jesus came to usher in a new era and a new way of thinking. So in verse four, he poses a very interesting question. It says, then he turned to the critics and asked, does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath 
or is it a day for doing evil? Is this a day to save life or to destroy it? I don't know about you guys, but I feel like this is a mic drop moment. I've been instructed that I must not drop my mic at this point. <laughs> In fact, the, verse, the end of the verse says that they didn't even answer his questions. Because how can you answer that? <laughs> Jesus threw out their conventional way of thinking about the Sabbath day and gave them a completely new way to view it. He even went so far as to literally explain the reasoning behind his behavior. He showed them that it was, not unconven it was unconventional to heal someone on the Sabbath, but it wasn't actually sinful. Jesus does not conform to the old ways of doing things because his new ways are higher and better than the old. Change can be so hard, though, especially for the Pharisees, but I mean for any of us as well. I am one who does not handle change well. I was sharing that with a friend this morning. If you'll humor me for just a, sec a second, I will share um, one example of just many from my life about how I can be a complete stick in the mud. So our home has a very tiny galley kitchen, but I love to be in the kitchen. So our kitchen is not quite big enough for all of my cooking and baking adventures, and it also doesn't have enough storage for all of those really neat kitchen gadgets that I just really feel like I need to have. So my husband, Christopher, is always in the kitchen trying to make it work better for us. He takes everything out of the drawers and cabinets, and he rearranges it. He stacks things inside of other things to save room, and he reorganizes everything over and over and over again. And I hate this. <laughs> yes, my kitchen is cleaner, and it's more functional, and it's a lot easier for me to cook because I have more room. But for real, where in the world did he put my silicone reusable cupcake wrappers? He literally improves my experience in the kitchen, and yet I steam over the fact that I have to stop and relearn where he put everything. So yes, change can be challenging, especially when it involves things that are even more important to us, like religion. It's hard to think about doing something new, especially when it involves changing the religious practices that have formed and shaped us over the years. So I wanna give you guys a few moments at this point to just talk about change a little bit and what that might look like in the kingdom of God. There are a few discussion questions at each of your tables. You'll have about 10 minutes I'll give you a warning at the five-minute mark and the one-minute mark. All right. So I heard a lot of interesting discussion going on. I hope that you guys have found this time valuable. Um, it sounds like some of us are receptive to change, and that's, that's fantastic. But some of you, it sounds like, are a little bit more like me. 
All right, so I just want to spend just a few more minutes talking a little bit more about what this reorientation into the kingdom of God looks like. So the big problem that we see in this story is that the Pharisees were so set in their ways that they were missing out on the bigger picture. They were so focused on following the rules of the Sabbath that they didn't really understand what the true meaning of the Sabbath day was. It was to pause, to draw closer to God, and to connect with others. They were so set on maintaining the status quo that they missed an opportunity to help a man who was right there in front of them find healing, restoration, and new life. They literally had the Savior of the world in their midst, ready to perform a miracle and give someone new life. And they missed it because they were too busy looking back at the old instead of embracing the new, the new kingdom of God. I can't help but pause here and ponder about myself. Have there been times that I've done the same thing as these religious leaders in Jesus' time? Have there been times that you've done the same thing? It isn't that hard to get so caught up in doing things the way that they've always been done that we miss out on an opportunity to do something special in a new way. Sometimes we spend all of our time and energy trying to just make things work the way that we've always done them that we miss out on a chance for something just wonderful. I grew up hearing the phrase, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, pretty often. And I really liked that phrase. It, it brought me comfort when I was younger. But what are we missing out on if we're not open to the idea of looking at things from a different perspective or just trying something new. Now, I do want to take a small sidestep here and make sure that we understand something important about this story. The Pharisees were not bad people. We tend to villainize them when we read through the Gospels, but they weren't bad guys. These were the leaders, the religious leaders of the Jewish people after all. They followed all of God's rules, and they devoted their entire lives to God. They lived in ways that were pleasing and honorable to God. And they did everything they were supposed to. They memorized scripture. They were always at the synagogue. They, they followed all the rules. They made all the right sacrifices. And they set an example for other, other Jewish people through the things that they did. The problem, though, was that they were going about religion all the wrong way. You see, they viewed religion as just a set of rules and rituals that you had to follow. But that was never what God had intended it to be. It's supposed to be about love and relationship. The rules and rituals were there, but love and relationship 
always trumps. When Jesus came on the scene, his goal was to help them reorient their understanding of what it meant to follow God. Jesus came to show them that religion's not just about following rules and rituals in order to gain favor with God, because that'll never work. We will fall short every single time. Instead, Jesus came to show them that it's about mercy and grace and love and connection with others. Jesus sought to change their perspective and help them understand that the new kingdom of God was going to make life even better for everyone than it had been before. But the Pharisees missed this completely. They were so set in their ways that they saw Jesus as a threat to their religion and their way of life. Of course, we know that's not true. (laughs) They looked for ways to eliminate him rather than embracing what he had come to do for them. They literally felt like they were the ones protecting the Jewish people and their way of life. And that Jesus was the one leading everyone astray. In verse 5, the passage tells us that Jesus looked around at them angrily and was deeply saddened by their hard hearts. Their hard hearts and refusal to even consider change prevented them from grasping the true meaning and power of the kingdom of God. And ultimately, it caused many of them to miss it altogether. My prayer is that this would never be my story. And my prayer is that this would never be your story either. Jesus has come so that we may have life and have it abundantly. Remember that verse from John 10.10? He seeks to give each and every person a new life of restoration, peace, and freedom. But we must cling tightly to him and be open to whatever it is that he's trying to tell us. Sometimes Jesus will tell us to do things that seem unconventional, like tear apart your sanctuary and get out tables instead of sitting in chairs or pews. Sometimes Jesus will tell us to do something that we'd really rather not do, like reach out to that person, you know, that one person that you just really don't want to go near. And sometimes Jesus will tell us to take a leap of faith and do something that seems just plain crazy to us, like donate a generous amount to a person or an organization when we don't feel like we can afford that right now. Or perhaps uproot your entire family and move someplace else where you'll have more ministry opportunities. In order to fully embrace the kingdom of God, we need to be open to the unconventional, the uncomfortable, and even at times the undesirable. We need to let Jesus reorient our view of what's normal. I'm going to invite the band to come back up. 
In just a minute here, we will have a time of response. Here at Reachway, we practice open communion. Anyone and everyone is welcome to come and partake in the elements who would like to. If you don't want to, nobody's going to look at you funny or make any weird assumptions. That's quite okay. I'll pray and then we'll have communion. But um, regardless, during this time, I would love for us just to, to stop and reflect and think about what it is that Jesus might be calling you to. Think about what it is that Jesus might be trying to reorient in your life. And I'll do the same as well. Lord, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for being better than normal. We thank you for stretching us, even when it doesn't feel great, so that we won't miss out on an opportunity to see something incredible. I pray that you would just speak to each one of us and show us how it is that we can best serve you and further your kingdom here on earth. We thank you, Lord, and we pray this through your son's name. Amen.